I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Michelle. I'm Kirsten. And today, I'm back with True Crime. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, it's awesome. I was, me and Logan were listening to a song or something, and it had that in the background, and I told him about how every few episodes will make that, <laughs> the noise. that noise. Yeah. And he thought it was funny. That is funny. We are funny. What do you mean? We are <laughs> hilarious. So, today... If you listen to Wednesday's episode, you already know I'm covering the Burke and Hare murders. They were a pair of serial killers. And I know I said I'd never heard of this one, mm-hmm. but the names do sound familiar. William Burke and William Hare. I don't know if it's because Burke, there's somebody, in, there's a character in Grey's Anatomy whose name is Burke. Mm. Um, but it, it sounds familiar. This isn't the Toolbox murders, is it? No, no, no. No, this is way earlier than okay, that well, way I, way 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 earlier than that yeah i this is like early 19th century so this is like the 1800s i didn't even know anything about the toolbox murders. Oh, i really? like briefly it's really bad i know it's like it's two people right is it two people i don't know but i know it's i remember it being like really bad almost to the point where i couldn't handle it so okay yeah that one's a rough one yeah i'll let kirsten cover that <laughs> <laughs> um I think we both covered some pretty freaking rough cases. Yeah. Um, but I'll I let you know. do that one. I, I seem to like doing the more intense ones. I don't, I don't know. know. I did the cannibal. That I, yeah, that's I've true. Did, and that one was rough. Yeah. He, f- well, trigger warning. If you haven't listened to that one, um, he fed the guy his own penis. Yeah. And then ate him over the course of like Yeah. And then the only thing that was left was 15 pounds when the guy got Out arrested. Out of a whole body. Yeah. A whole man. Out of a whole grown-ass, like, 30, 40-year-old man. Anyways. Go, go listen to that go episode. Go listen to that one. <laughs> it's the Rottenberg Cannibal yes. episode. Um, So, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, this one's crazy. I think I already mentioned it's going to be a two-parter. Um, But I'm going to post first part this Friday, which is today. If you're listening on Friday. <laughs> and then the next part on the next Friday. But Kirsten and I have had a conversation. Um, I think we're going to start posting the part twos like the same week as a bonus episode. Yeah. I hate making people wait. So. Yeah. This will probably be our last part one and two that you don't get same week. Same week. Yeah. Because um, we weren't prepared for that today. No. That was just something spur of the moment. Yes. That we decided. <laughs> um. So, like I said, covering the Burke and Hare murders, they were some serial killers, and we're going to talk about their victims, which they have a lot. Okay. So, like I said, early 19th century, and it's set in Edinburgh, Scotland, which I think is how you say it. Okay. Uh, in this time, let's do a little background first. Okay. So, so I can set the scene. Okay. So, in this time, the study of anatomy was getting big. There were quite a few teachers, like, in this area at this time, but the one that will be involved in today's case goes by Robert Knox. Okay. 
Um, because of these efforts in Edinburgh, it became one of the leading European European centers of anatomical study. Okay. Um, obviously, to study anatomy, what did they need? They needed cadavers. Mm-hmm. And as scientific research grew, so did the need for bodies. Mm-hmm. So, Scottish law determined that the suitable bodies for this um, that people could use would be people who died in prison, suicide victims, the bodies of foundlings, which were abandoned children, Mm -hmm. and also orphans. They could use these for dissections. Okay. So, as popularity grew for anatomy and the practice, uh, supply could not keep up with demand. So, they were having trouble finding bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. So, students, lecturers, and grave robbers began an illicit trade in exhumed cadavers, or what they also called body snatching. So, they were desperate for bodies. Yes. They were doing everything they could to get bodies to study. Mm-hmm. So, imagine going to visit your grandma and her body's gone. Yeah, that would be... Mm. Yeah. They were also known as resurrection men. Nice. Um, so, this is where it kind of gets crazy. So, from a legal standpoint... It was very confusing. Disturbing a grave was a criminal offense. Mm -hmm. And so was taking property from the deceased. But stealing the body itself was not because legally the body didn't belong to anyone. So they didn't have it as a criminal offense. But I'm like, but it did. It belonged to the person that was living previously. But that was their logic. So when you were body snatching snatchling when you were body snatching technically there were no repercussions to stealing the body okay you didn't get in trouble okay so but we know nowadays people just donate their bodies to science when they die right so and many people do i think right and you don't get paid for bringing a body that's also the main point here people these days donate they do not you don't get a cut payment for donating your body to science it's not like it's not like if logan died and i was like here you can have his body for science and then they'd give me money yeah that doesn't work he would have to do on Mm -hmm. his own behalf because they have to have permission from him as a living person his body because it's his body funny how you have uh, more bodily autonomy when you're dead than you do when you're alive but anyway (laughs) right um so in this time when you did steal a body or had a body they could use you could sell it like i said uh to one of the lecturers or students for scientific research Mm mm-hmm um, the price per corpse did change with the season. So, in the winter, bodies could be stored for longer, but in the summer, the decomposing process was sped up. So, you would get 8 euros in the summer and 10 in the winter because okay. they could store more bodies. Okay. So, in the 1820s, the people of Edinburgh got sick and tired of people grave, rob- grave robbing. Sorry. Yeah, I would do. They protested in the streets, and to deter body snatching, they started to put things in place to prevent people from doing that. Okay. They would hire guards to watch graves. There were watchtowers built in cemeteries with guards inside of them to watch over these graves. Mm -hmm. Um, Some families even got a huge stone slab to put over the grave of their family member um, until the body was to the point that it couldn't be body snatched anymore. Like, an anatomist couldn't use it at that point anymore. Then the slab would be removed. Okay. Um, some people went as far as to use what's called a mort safe or what is an iron cage around these. Um, so they couldn't like get in, get to the body at yep. all. Nope. The iron cage was put over their grave site. And so like you couldn't dig like you would be able to otherwise. Mm-hmm. 
So with everyone putting in these precautionary measures, um, there was a crisis among anatomists because there was a shortage of corpses. Nobody could body snatch anymore. Um, so now that I've set the scene, let's do a little background on Robert Knox. Okay. He was an anatomist that qualified as a doctor in 1814. He was actually blind in one eye and badly disfigured from having smallpox as a child. Uh, he did do some time in the military, and he was an army physician at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. Hmm. After that, he was posted in England and then in southern Africa during the Cape Frontier War in 1819. Then he decided to settle in Edinburgh in 1820, and this was his hometown where he started out. Okay. So he became a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons in Edinburgh in 1925, and this is where he started lecturing anatomy and undertook dissections twice a day. He dissected bodies twice a day Dang. in front of people. Dang. Like whole bodies. Yes. Wow. So also his advertising said he promised a full demonstration on fresh anatomical subjects as part of every course of lectures he delivered. So essentially he was a very important part of progression of this anatomy and which would also lead into research for surgery Mm -hmm. and things like that. So now we're going to talk about William Burke. Um, We're going to call him Burke from now on because, like I said, there's two Williams. Right. So it's just easier to call him by their last names. Right. So Burke was born in 1792 in Yerney County, Tyrone, Ireland. He was one of two sons born to a middle-class family. Burke and his brother had a comfortable upbringing, and they also both joined the British Army as teenagers. Burke served in the Donegal Militia until he met a married woman from County Mayo, Ireland, which is where they later settled. And I said, ooh, scandalous. Ooh, a married woman. Their marriage was very (laughs) short-lived. Seems like we always hear that. Yeah. In 1818, after an argument Burke had with his father-in-law about land ownership, he just up and deserted his wife and family. The fuck? He moved to Scotland and became a laborer, working on the Union Canal. And the Union Canal is a canal in Scotland running from Falkirk or Falkirk to Edinburgh, constructed to bring minerals, especially coal, to the capital. Okay. And then he settled in a small village of Madison with his second wife. Okay. Um, and her name, we would find out, is Helen. 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 Okay. So after a few years, when the works on the canal were finished and the couple moved to Tanner's Close, Edinburgh, in November of 1827. They both became hawkers, which is also a vendor, and sold secondhand clothes for a while. Burke then decided to become a cobbler, which apparently he was pretty decent at. He actually earned up to one euro a week, and apparently that was pretty good. So he became known locally as an industrious and good-humored man who often entertained his clients by singing and dancing to them on their doorsteps while working. Seems like a cool guy. Mm -mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm-mm. Burke was raised as a Catholic, but did become a regular worshiper at Presbyterian religious meetings, and he was rarely seen without a Bible. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about William Hare. Okay. And we will address him as Hare. Hare, okay. So his exact birthplace is not known, but it is estimated he was born in County Arm- Armagh, 
County Londonderry or Newry, which are all in Northern Ireland. Okay. And sorry if I'm butchering any of this, but I think we've said this a million times before. Yeah, we're American. Americans are not good with pronunciation of things from different countries. <laughs> Definitely not. So his age and birth year are still unknown. Interesting. So when he was arrested in 1828, he gave the age of 21, but sources think he was born anywhere between 1792 to 1804. So if he was arrested in 1828 and he was born in 1804, that would only make him 14? 24. 24. I can't math. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Th- th- 24 th- at the youngest is what they're thinking. At the youngest, yes. yeah. But thir- what, 38 at the oldest? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, there's not a whole lot of information on his early life, but it is possible that he worked in Ireland as an agricultural laborer before traveling to Britain. Okay. He did also work on the Union Canal for seven years before moving to Edinburgh in the mid-1820s, where he then worked as a coal man's assistant. He also lodged at Tanner's Close, where he lived with a man and the man's wife, Margaret. But when the man died in 1826, it is believed that Hare married Margaret. Also scandalous. Another married woman. Well, widowed woman. Well, yeah. I guess she's widowed now. But yeah. Still married. Exactly. They probably started things before he died, let's be honest. Yeah, if he was living there... Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like things in- were happening before the husband died. You I know would what I'm be saying? interested to know if the guy, if the husband died, um, like if they knew he was going to die, like if he was sick or something, or if he just like suddenly died. Maybe or he if, got if, murdered mm-hmm. and it just hasn't been admitted. Maybe, maybe they cut him out of the picture. You never know. So Hare would be described in contemporary accounts as illiterate and uncouth. A lean, quarrelsome, violent, immoral character with the scars from old wounds about his head and brow. So, quite the opposite of Burke. Yes. Quite the opposite. Definitely. The only correlation is that they married married women. Yep, pretty <laughs> much. So, when Hare went to work on the harvest, he met Burke and Helen. Okay. So, Burke and Hare became friends. That's how they met. Okay. So much so that Burke and his wife, Helen, moved to Tanner's clothes into Hare's lodging house with him and his wife, Margaret. Okay. The two couples would acquire a reputation for hard drinking and boisterous behavior. Okay. So, on November 29th of 1827, there was a lodger named Donald that died of dropsy in Hare's house. He would sell, it's a lodging house, so he would let people stay there for money. Right. Kind of like a hotel. Kind of, yeah. Type thing. Mm-hmm. So he died shortly before receiving a quarterly army pension, which he was going to use to pay the four euros of back rent he owed to Hare. Okay. So Hare was telling Burke, like, it sucks. I lost the money. Like this guy the four died. euros that he owed me because he died and he didn't receive his check before then. Mm-hmm. So they both came up with the idea that they should sell Donald's body. To one of the local anatomists. To get the money that he owed for the back rent. Exactly. Okay. So a carpenter came and provided a coffin for a burial for Donald's body, right? Um, the carpenter left and Burke and Hare pried the coffin open and removed Donald's body. The carpenter just l- 
left well i mean he's a carpenter. somebody was gonna come and get the coffin but pick not up the him. body okay. he was just there to build the coffin and put him in it right okay okay so then somebody would come and pick him up like the people from a funeral home, to bury whatever him. it was back yeah. then yeah so they removed donald's body and they ended up hiding his body under one of the beds in the lodging house and filled the coffin with bark and then they resealed it i was getting ready to say they had to have put something in it to mm-hmm. make it seem like there was a body in there so after it got dark the coffin had been removed for burial, right? And they took the corpse to Edinburgh University to sell it. Okay. They ended up selling the body to Robert Knox for seven euros. And you said that the guy owed him four mm-hmm. euros. So they're getting like almost double their money. Yeah. And remember, Robert Knox Robert is Knox one of the head the anatomists anatomist. yes. at this time. So Hare ended up receiving the four euros while Burke took three because... It was Hare's loss in the back rent anyways. Right, right. He was just getting what he was owed. Exactly. So, according to Burke's official confession, spoiler alert, they get arrested. (laughs) One of Robert Knox's assistants told them they would be glad to see them again when they had another to dispose of. How did people just assume that they were going to have, like, more than one body to, like... Don't know. know People made this their job. You realize that? They're, like... They would like out dead bodies. Yeah, they would like people would have dead bodies. They'd pay them mm-hmm. really cheaply for the dead bodies, but then they'd go sell them to the anatomist, and they would get more than what they paid for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I could see like, I could I could see the the process, the mm-hmm. the quote unquote business process. Right. You know, you would have a spouse or something that would die. Say the spouse had, you know, they are the ones that provided money. Right. Now they're out of money. So then they could sell the, the body. people, the the people, you know, that lost somebody, mm-hmm. they could sell the body to somebody like uh, Burke mm-hmm. for cheap. Like, because yeah. they just need money. Yeah, exactly. And then they could turn around and sell the body to the anatomists. For way more. For way more. Yeah. And they're making profit. Exactly. All off of somebody's dead freaking body. Yep. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? But I get it. I get it. But you if don't. If a person... I, I, I get it to a point. Yeah. I get it to a point. Well, if you're that desperate for money. You're like, desperate. What are you... Gonna, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to say it like this, but like, what are you going to do with a dead body? Exactly. If you, you could, could sell it and make profit. It. Yeah. Right. I get it, but I don't get it. Right. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Okay. I'm on the same level, bro. Okay. So, there's no actual data on the sequence of how the murders took place. Okay. It's long ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Burke made two confessions, but gave a different timeline for the murders in each statement. Okay. The first official statement was given on January third of eighteen twenty nine, and the second was published on February seventh of eighteen twenty nine. Okay. So Hare's statement gave a different timeline than Burke's, like all together. Okay. So contemporary reports also differ from the confessions of both men. So, most experts agree that the first murder happened in January or February of 1828. Okay. So, it was either a miller by the name of Joseph, who was lodging in Hare's home, or a salt seller named Abigail Simpson. Okay. A historian by the name of Lisa Rosner considers that Joseph is more than likely the first victim. Okay. He was suffocated by a pillow, while later victims were suffocated by a hand over the nose and mouth. Okay. So, they weren't, like, brutally murdering the, these people. I mean, like, in a way, yes. 
I mean, like, they weren't. They weren't torturing them in any way or fashion. I mean, I guess obviously they can't, like, destroy the body because then they wouldn't be able to sell it. Yeah. So they're going to have to do it in, like, the least bad it's really it's not you're suffocating bad. someone it's still bad i know i'm i don't know i feel like it sounds like i'm downplaying it i'm not they didn't torture them let's right. just say that yes 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 but they still like murdered them yes by suffocation mm-hmm. so there was also a novelist named sir walter scott who thought joseph was also the first victim he highlighted that there was an additional there was additional motive to reconcile them to the deed because Joseph had developed a fever and had become delirious. So. Okay. Hare and his wife, Margaret, were also concerned with having a sick lodger because of the other tenants. Mm. It might be bad for business. Mm-hmm. So Hare obviously turned to Burke for advice. That's like his best friend. So mm-hmm. after they provided Joseph with whiskey, Hare suffocated him while Burke laid across his upper torso to restrict movement. Because, like, when you're breathing, you know, your chest moves. If Mm -hmm. Burke lays on him, he can't take in another breath. He's Mm -hmm. basically suffocating. So, they took his corpse to Robert Knox, who paid them 10 euros. Okay. So, their method of killing people would be undetectable until the era of modern forensics. So, they couldn't detect that they were actually killing them. Right, because the technology is not good enough. Exactly. But also, like, you kind of know. We'll kind of get into it further down the line. So, the order of the next two victims are unclear as well. Regardless, the next two victims were Abigail Simpson and an English male lodger from Cheshire, England. So, they don't know if it was Joseph, then Abigail, Abigail, then Joseph, and then the English man. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, they don't really know exactly how it played out. So, the unnamed Englishman was was a traveling seller of matches and tinder who fell ill with jaundice at Hare's lodging house. Okay. Again, Hare was concerned for his business, so Hare and Burke killed the Englishman the same way they killed Joseph. Okay. So, Abigail was a pensioner who lived in a nearby village. She would visit Edinburgh to supplement her pension by selling salt. Okay. On February 12th of 1828, which, by the way, is the only exact date Burke gave in his confession, she was invited into Hare's home and supplied with enough alcohol to ensure she was too drunk to return home. So it was like he rem- he distinctly remembered this one exact day. Mm-hmm. So Burke and Hare murdered her, and then she was placed in a tea chest and sold again to Robert Knox. They received 10 euros for each body, okay. the Englishman and Abigail. Mm-hmm. Burke would later say in his confession that Robert Knox approved of it being so fresh, but he didn't ask any questions. Robert Knox is suspicious. Mm-hmm. In either February or March of that year, an old woman was invited to the house by Hare's wife, Margaret. Okay. Margaret gave her enough whiskey to fall asleep, and when Hare returned that afternoon, he covered her mouth and nose with a bed tick, or a stiff mattress cover, and left her. Damn. So the wives are getting involved as well. Hmm. She was dead by nightfall, so Burke and Hare transported her body to Robert Knox, who paid another 10 euros. Dang. Now it's early April. Burke met two women, Mary Patterson, also known as Mary Mitchell, and Janet Brown. He bought the two women alcohol before inviting them back to his lodging for breakfast. When the three of them left with two bottles of whiskey, they didn't actually go back to the lodging house. They went to Burke's brother's home. 
and his brother had actually left for work, so he wasn't there. He wasn't involved with this. Okay. So, him and the women finished the whiskey, and Mary fell asleep at the table. So, Burke and Janet, like, stayed up and continued talking. Um, they were actually caught by Hare's wife, Margaret, who accused them of having an affair. Um, they got into a fight, and Burke threw a glass at her, cutting her over the eye. Mm. Janet left because she didn't know Burke was married, and she was just like, well, I guess I'm gonna head out. So, Margaret also left. She went and got Hare and Helen. Okay. Um, his friend and his wife. So, the men locked their wives out of the room and then murdered Mary in her sleep. Okay. So, they knew what was going on. Don't you think Janet would be suspicious if the uh, the girl that she was with, with him, wound up dead? Just wait. You see what I'm just, saying? You just wait. Just wait. I would be suspicious. I'd be like, I was just First of all, I wouldn't have left you there by yourself. Yeah, well, in that, the first place. that too. So, the two men put her in the tea chest and took her to Knox for pay again. They were paid eight euros for her corpse, and she was actually still warm when they delivered her. Dang. So, one of Knox's assistants asked where they had got the body because he thought he recognized her, but Burke told him she had drank herself to death and they purchased her from an old woman. Okay. And Robert Knox was actually delighted at her corpse and stored it in whiskey for three months before dissecting it. What the fuck? Um, Janet came back to search for her friend and she was told that she had left for Glasgow with a traveling salesman. Okay. And Margaret, Hare's wife, actually kept Mary's skirt and her petticoat. And wore it? Mm-hmm. The fuck? Mm-hmm. From a dead woman? Yep. Oh, hell no. So, at some point in mid-1828, there was a Mrs. Haldane, who Burke said was a stout old woman. Okay. She also lodged at Hare's home. After she got drunk and fell asleep in the stable, she was also smothered and sold to Knox. Okay. So, several months later, her granddaughter also lodged at Hare's house. The granddaughter and Burke drank together heavily, and he actually killed her without hair. What the fuck? Her body was then put into the tea chest, and Burke sold her to Robert Knox while keeping the eight euros. And hair didn't have any involvement in this? Nope. Okay. So the next murder was done in May of 1828. It was an old woman who was also a lodger at Hare's home. One evening, while the old woman was intoxicated, Burke smothered her. Hare was also not present for this one, and Burke sold her body to Robert Knox for 10 euros. And kept the 10 euros. Yep. So, next was a woman named Effie. It's just spelled different. Some of them spell it with a Y at the end and some IE at the end. Okay. She was a cinder gatherer or someone who scavenged through trash to sell stuff that she would find. Okay. And Burke actually knew her from back when he was a cobbler. She would dig in trash and find scraps of leather, and she would sell it to him. Hmm. So, Burke tempted her into the stable with whiskey, and when she was drunk enough, Hare killed her. Robert Knox gave them 10 euros for each body. So, they're racking up money. Mm-hmm. So, that, because that seems like that's a lot of money. Yeah. For this time. Mm-hmm. 10 euros? For sure. So, the next victim was found by Burke. She was too drunk to stand at all. She would see 
let's see what do we do she was actually being helped by a local constable which is a police officer Mm -hmm. back to her lodging burke offered to take the woman there himself and the constable just said okay sure what the fuck what the fuck yep she was killed back at the lodging house and her corpse got burke and hair another 10 euros from robert knox they murdered two lodgers in june which was described as by burke an old woman and a dumb boy her grandson wow while the boy was sitting by the fire in the kitchen his grandmother was murdered in the bedroom by burke and hare's usual method burke and hare then picked up the boy and killed him in the same room wow burke would later say this was the murder that disturbed him the most because he was haunted by the boy's expression yeah this was their youngest victim yeah the tea chest that they usually used to transport the bodies was too small so the bodies were forced into a herring barrel and they got eight euros each from robert knox because this was summertime so burke would later say in his confession that Hare's horse refused to pull further than grass market so i don't think it was very far okay it just, like, refused to pull the barrel any farther. Mm-hmm. So, Hare called a porter with a handcart to help him transport the container with the bodies. Once they were back, Hare was so pissed, he shot the horse dead in his yard. Damn. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? Mm-hmm. This, these, these, these. I have no words. <laughs> yeah. On June 24th, Burke and his wife traveled to see Helen's father. Burke knew that Hare was short on cash and had even pawned some of his clothes. But when the couple returned, Hare was wearing new clothes and had a surplus of cash. Hare denied to Burke that he had sold another body, but Burke asked Robert Knox, and he told him that, indeed, Hare had sold him a body for another eight euros. This caused a huge fight between Burke and Hare, even though Burke had sold bodies without him. Right previous but hair never found out so he wasn't going to tell him that right so now he's pissed yeah burke and his wife actually moved to his cousin's home a couple blocks from here because they were so pissed okay but this didn't last very long in late september early october Hare was visiting burke when mrs ostler a washerwoman came to the property to do laundry the men got her drunk and they killed her and by that afternoon they had sold the coat the corpse and received eight more euros dang and that's the end of part one dang that's crazy yeah they it seems like they're just doing it so easily Mm -hmm. just back to back to back to back yeah they're just racking up bodies so insane in the next part we will talk about the rest of the victims um the trial the arrest and the aftermath okay I can't wait. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I just did not want to give you, overload you with too much information off the yeah. bat, you know? So. I can't, this one's from the 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1800s. Mm-hmm. This is a oldie. Yeah, for sure. Oldie. And the fact that they have this much information on it is so cool. Right. Like the names mm-hmm. of most of the victims. Mm-hmm. There's more names the too. The actual events. Yeah, there's more names that I didn't put in the story because I just felt like, meh. But that's okay. But I said the name of every victim. Right. It's just the people involved. I didn't say everyone's. Yeah, name, no. So, but I hope you guys enjoyed. 
go follow our socials if you haven't already go subscribe to our patreon if you want all the links will be in the show notes and thanks for listening see you next time see ya